Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today. St. Bernard of Clairvaux was a monk that lived in the 12th century and he established a rule for life in the monastic settings and created a little abbey in a little city called Citeaux that ended up being called Clairvaux and had lots of friends and people that he knew join him in creating these monasteries. He was a man of prayer and of great insight and translated work and expanded on work of other theologians. One of them was Origen. And he says very beautiful things that help us understand Scripture better. One of the things that he says is, let us read from the book of experience. And he's going to be in this monastic setting, one that is going to go into his inner room and really delight in the presence of God and write about what we can do to do the same thing. It is from that experience that he talks about union with God, where our mind and our senses are left behind, and there's this sort of ecstatic union, this this uh, way of experiencing life uh, in love with God. It's a very deep experience of the Song of Songs, where there is a union that is so intimate, where God comes to dwell in the heart in a very deep way. We, we meditate on His life and the things that He left for us to ponder. As we think about a reading on the book of the prophet Ezekiel, on chapter 36, where we see that the Lord God is the Lord of the nations, and as the Israelites continue moving away from God. We see a beautiful description about being sprinkled clean. And that takes us to the psalm of today, which is 51. One that is a beautiful prayer can be for us when we want to come to God with the spirit of repentance and to say, God, wash me clean. And then another parable on the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22 today, where Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a king who gives a wedding feast and has to go out on the fields and invite people and people are not prepared or they don't come, they're not welcome, they're not welcoming the invitation. And comparing that with our own hearts when we are not washed clean to show up at a wonderful feast of a king and we remain in our own kind of filth and show up really in ways that are not appropriate for the Feast of Kings and Queens. So as we think about the question of the day, what is the state of our soul in 
terms of being a home where God can dwell. I remember being a little girl and my mentor in elementary school gave a description as we were preparing for our first communion that when we prepare our hearts to receive the Eucharist, we can imagine that we are tidying up our room in our house and we're having a visitor come over and we want to make sure that everything is clean and orderly and we have fresh flowers and we create an environment of welcome that we could figure out ways when we were going to pray to prepare ourselves and dispose our own interior room in such a way that could make Jesus feel welcome and would give us examples that those could be extra special prayers, that we could read the Bible in ways that the Word of God could be resounding in our hearts like music, that the flowers can be the fragrance of smiles to the people around us, or little sacrifices where we are doing small duties for other people, helping them out, and coming out of our own comfort and our own routines in order to make life easier for someone else. And that all of these little actions create the conditions for the heart to be cleansed and that we can then invite God into our heart, not because we deserve it, but just because God is our Father and He's pleased by these little ways, these little actions that simply show we are preparing ourselves the best we know knowing our insufficiency, knowing our weakness, knowing our smallness, we can prepare ourselves for the great King who wants to dwell in our hearts. Shall we dwell a little deeper in these readings themselves? In the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 36, just a few verses for today, 23 through 28, the Lord says, I will prove the holiness of my great name, profaned among the nations in whose midst you have profaned it. Thus the nations shall know that I am the Lord, when in their sight I prove my holiness through you. For I will take you away from amongst the nations, gather you from all the foreign lands, bring you back to my own land. I will sprinkle clean water upon you to cleanse you from all your impurities, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you, taking from your bodies your stony hearts and giving you natural hearts. I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statues, careful to observe my decrees. You shall live in the land I gave your ancestors. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I decided to read it today because there's something very beautiful about just reading the Word of God out loud. And because it talks about holiness, that God wants to show the holiness of His great name, but He wants to show it through you and through me. And how is that possible when we are so imperfect? And yet God says that He wants to prove His holiness through us. And that is exactly the point. If I did something amazing, but I did it out of my own strength, out of my own power, out of my own holiness, then it would be about me. But precisely because I am so imperfect, because my ways are not 100% pure like God's are, and because there's so much in me that is left to be perfected, then 
when something amazing happens, it is only happening by the holiness and the power of God. And God is then using us as his vessels. He also comes to cleanse us because all of us need that kind of cleansing. All of us are going to do things that we are not proud of, say things that we really regret. How many times do we say, oh, I wish I had said that to our child, our spouse, our friend, our parent, our sibling, and in a moment of anger or frustration, or we just lost our temper or lost our patience, we just say something where we are simply hurting someone else's feelings. It is very important to remember that what we utter is just po only possibly two things. When we are communicating, we're either communicating a cry for help or we are communicating a song of love in some way. We are either loving, sharing joy and sharing something that is building up the world, ourselves, others, or we are crying out for help, which can turn out to be tearing others down, saying things that we didn't mean, saying mean things. Kids do, do that themselves. In today's reading, then, we see those two things. God chooses us not because we're perfect, and he cleanses us because he wants to send us, and he wants to use us as an instrument of his will. And what he tells us is he puts his spirits, spirit inside of us and helps us to live by his statues so that when we don't think we can do it because it's hard, it's hard to walk the path that God lays before us, he will put his spirit within us. Let's read a little bit of Psalm 51 where we learn more about being cleansed. Psalm 51 is often read during the time of Lent and it is often read when we want to be in a place of repentance and contrition for our sinfulness, for having missed the mark, for having done something that we shouldn't have done. And again, the Psalms help us to pray better. And We hear a clean heart create for me, O God, and a steadfast spirit renew within me. Cast me not out from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. Give me back the joy of your salvation, and a willing spirit sustain in me. I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall return to you. That's an amazing statement, that we will teach God's ways to transgressors. That's not always easy. That can happen often with our own family members because we are here to build each other up and we can encourage one another and say, you know, that thing you said, that thing you did was really not good for me. It caused turbulence inside because the words came across as really unkind. I felt really shaken by the words. We have to learn how to express our emotions in a way that is honorable and transparent and direct and keeps the conversation in our thoughts and feelings without putting them or placing them on someone else. But to have a willing spirit that God will give us to be sustained so that when we are walking, we can, we can set our boundaries. We can also help others and encourage others and correct others. God uh, is looking for our hearts and how our hearts are 
getting alignment with him, especially when we have gone astray. And the piece of the verse that today uh, completes our reading is, My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit, a contrite heart and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. So we want to hear God's voice and we don't want to harden our hearts. We want to turn our sights to him. We want to ask him to renew our spirit. And I do need that today. I feel a little bit weary. It's a little late in the night and we had a long day and school has started and there's all kinds of things going on. And I feel the need for my spirit to be renewed, for God to wash me clean with the strength of his power. So in today's reading, we relish God's image of the kingdom as a wedding feast. Shall we look at that one? The gospel reading for from today is Matthew 22, chapter, the first 14 verses. And Jesus, again, speaking to the chief priests and the elders. So we have to really pay attention to who the audience is, because Jesus is going to tone the message up or down, heighten the intensity of the kinds of emotions that he packs into the imagery in order to shake up the audience in one direction or another. We know that when he's speaking to the priests and the elders, sometimes to shake them up, he has to say very, very intense things. In today's reading, is very much one of those graphic descriptions that shake us to the core because it begins with the kingdom of heaven being like a king who gives a wedding feast for his son. And so we have this beautiful imagery of a kingdom and a son. We can even think about fairy tales. It's got that kind of, uh, kind of context for us. Uh, from this century, probably very different from that century, but it's still a kingdom and a king and a feast. All that is very nice. The king dispatches servants to summon the guests, but these guests refuse to come. And that's kind of a first paradox, right? Because who would refuse a king that's inviting them to a feast? What kind of people do that? But since Jesus is comparing the story to the kingdom of heaven and earth, we know how many times each one of us refuses God's invitations to follow his commands and to live according to his statutes. So we know that the, we are these kinds of servants many times in our own life. God doesn't give up, so he sends a second batch of servants. And now with instructions, I've prepared a banquet and he describes some of the wonderful items that are prepared to eat in the feast. And now we have a, a number of reactions from this next uh, set of messengers. Some people are ignoring the invitation and they just leave. They go to their farms, they go to their businesses, and then the rest of them, here comes another shock, are mistreated. These servants are mistreated and they're, they're killed. This is amazing in the context of a story, but again, Jesus is trying to get the chief priests and the elders to think about they are going to be the ones who do this to Jesus himself. He is the son. His father is the king. And the wedding feast is this relationship that God has with us. Jesus uses this wedding feast because one of the ways that we're going to understand his relationship with us is in a spousal way. 
God wants to dwell deeply inside of our hearts in a very intimate union. And to speak about that union in a spousal way is to speak about the intimacy that God wants to have with us. And yet, the first thing that happens is that people are rejecting Jesus in his own context. So now we see that the king is enraged. He's sending troops to destroy these people that are murderers in the city. And he has other servants that go out and the king says the feast is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy to come. They didn't behave in a way that would show they were worthy, right? And that can be very much us. So the king invites them to go out to the main roads and invite anybody they can find. Anybody on the streets, whether they're good or bad, anywhere. And the hall is filled with guests. So now we have a lot of people that have come for this wedding feast. And the king now is walking around and then realizes that there's a man that doesn't have a wedding garment. And he's going to have a conversation with him. How come you're here without a wedding garment? You didn't get ready. You were invited to something special, something unique, something very beautiful that requires a sense of dignity and respect for the event itself and you come not ready. How come? And this man is reduced to silence and then the king sends him out where there is wailing and grinding of teeth. So all in all, we have all these moments where we are witnessing something very beautiful whether it's speech or a context or an idea about a wedding and then bam we get this image that is shocking that is violent that is enraged look at that idea of being cast into the darkness outside and wailing and grinding of teeth very shocking and yet we know again that Jesus was inviting these chief priests and elders and you and me to a wedding feast where he dwells in our hearts meets our complete coldness, our indifference, our busyness with something else, our distraction in other things that do not matter. And we do not take up Jesus in this invitation to dwell with us in a kind of spousal union inside of our hearts. And the conditions are such that we see in this passage that God is both merciful and just. He shows his power he shows his generosity, but there is also a sense of justice. And oftentimes we don't want to think about God in this way. We just want to think of his mercy. But when God invites and he invites us to something wonderful and we refuse, the consequences for that are pretty well described here. We seek destruction. We seek consolation in things on the wor- of, of the world which will result in grinding of teeth. So as we think of our moment in time where we're cleansed, where we are preparing our wedding garments for the ultimate encounter with God, let us consider what we're doing. What are the steps that we're doing to prepare that inner room, to cleanse our hearts and our garments and knowing that of our own accord, of our own strength, we can do nothing, but we can do everything through God who works with us through his own power. So we, we pray tonight, we pray this morning, we pray this afternoon, whenever we, you are listening to the podcast and say, Father, give us a new garment that is filled with your spirit, that has your grace upon it, so that as we put it on, we are transformed, 
and our mind is renewed and our spirit is strengthened and our bodies are healed. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.